Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to you all. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo as um, Biden is unfit to stand trial in court. He's probably wandering around someone's basement wearing nothing but shorts. Who will step in to take his place? His team are all delusional, depraved, and debased. How long must we wait for the white hats to kick some ass? It's time to end this ridiculous farce. The Super Bowl, for me, was one heck of a flop. That's what happens when events are psyoped. Are the people awakening or just enabling and labeling in today's troubled, muddled, fuddled, strange little world? As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be managed on any given day. We are not always successful, I will admit to that, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Can you tell I've had one? In fact, in fact, let me take another taste of today's luxurious libation and see if it's a winner or a sinner. Hold on, darlings, don't go away. Sipping is happening. Hmm. You know, this is a lovely drink. This is a lovely, lovely drink. And folks, I have to tell you, if you don't already know, this is the show where the Holy Spirit meets top shelf distilled spirits. And what a blessed combination that is. And I am happy to report that today's Drinky Poo is a winner, not a sinner. And more about that towards the end of the show. Darlings, if you're joining us for the first time, be advised this show is politically incorrect so as not to erode the intellect. Martini heads are simple folk. We value common sense, common decency, common courtesy. We are not woke. We don't wear a face cloak. We know the agenda behind the death poke. In short, and some of us are short, we are spirit-centered patriots embracing libertarian ideology, the ideology upon which this great nation was founded. If you believe mainstream news is real news and not carefully written propaganda, this show is not for you. If you believe the government works in your best interests, especially this puppet regime, this show is not the show for you. If you believe the twit masquerading as our fake president is the original Joe Biden, this show is definitely not for you. 
Martini heads are, well, we're weird folk, but you see, that's because we're free thinkers. For us, sovereignty is everything. And any threat to our sovereignty will be met with fierce resistance, fierce, I tell you. And just like the folks on Galaxy Quest, my favorite movie of all time, we will never give up and we will never surrender. And if you want to take us out, good luck to you. Be advised, more of your number will suffer than ours because we actually walk our talk. We can't be corrupted because all we want is to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, free to purchase property, pursue life, liberty, and basically happiness. So, you know, if those things don't resonate, go away now. If, on the other hand, you are a curious co-creator with an open mind, stick around and enjoy the show. Or not. I mean, I'm not a control freak. And what do we have for you on today's show? Let's see. We have an interview with a young lady named Tegan Farrell. Now, she's the manager of the Holistic Earth Bookstore in Roseburg, Oregon. And, and that's very nice because we all need a job. And Holistic Earth in Roseburg is actually a lovely place to shop, but that's not why she's on the show. We invited her here today to talk about her ministry on Instagram, TikTok, and on Facebook. Now, of course, we're going to have quack questions, answers, and comments, albeit perhaps an abbreviated version today. Um, and then we're also going to have awesome American civics. And of course, my favorite part of the show, the cocktail of the week. But for now, Let's start the show today with our interview with Tegan Farrell. Well, everybody, today I wanted to introduce you to a young lady who made quite an impression on me. You know, I'm very famous for going around saying that people who are in their late 20s and early 30s are a bit clueless. They don't know how the world works and they don't stand up straight and talk straight. And lo and behold, when I was in the Holistic Earth bookshop, metaphysical bookshop in Roseburg, Oregon, I came across a lovely young lady who is the manager there. Her name is Tegan Farrell. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. Here's somebody who is around 30 years old, who stands up straight, is very self-confident, but not self-absorbed, understand how the world works, but doesn't have that arrogant that uh, whatever that Gen X or millennials or whatever that is that they call them, millennials, millennials, whatever. Um, I just thought I'm going to talk to her. And we got to know each other and we did a little bit of work together. Um, and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be wonderful if this young lady did some sort of a ministry? Because I think she could reach people. She talks very sensibly. And lo and behold, not too long afterwards, I saw this wonderful little video that she had made on Facebook talking about scripture. And I thought to myself, I've got to have her on the show. So I'd like to introduce everyone to Tegan Farrell. Tegan, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. So... I think what I'd like to talk about a little bit is like what makes you so aware and different to all the others out there. Um, what motive? Let's ask. Can you give us a little background on yourself, and then just you know lead up to what motivated you to make these videos? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was born into a Pentecostal Christian family, um, so very much used to the Christian ideology, but um with some spirit in there <laughs> some of the supernatural was norm and um i was lucky to experience that 
And it was very fear based, though, I felt I was a very fearful child and young adult. Um, as I grew up, I got into drugs um, and addiction and um, really just walked away from spirituality altogether. Um, it wasn't until I got clean and I needed I needed that spiritual touch. I needed something else. I knew that just getting clean and living life and going by the book wasn't enough. Um, so I touched back to my roots and it it spoke to me, but not in the way um, I felt I needed it. So I started to look basically down any kind of metaphysical type path I could find and uh, really just started to realize that everything's one in the same. It's just different viewpoints, different perspectives. Um, and getting in touch with myself was the number one thing that was going to lead me to connect with God. So you haven't always been an exemplary citizen then. But now, <laughs> but now I think you're a bit of a role model. Um, you know, there had to have been some really serious challenges along the way coming back from addiction, getting back to a place of sanity. Is there, I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to give everybody advice on how to do that because it is a personal thing. But um, any tips you can share with people who are struggling with that? Stop looking outside of yourself to blame your problems or solve your problems. That's the number one thing. It, it's all within yourself. Um, these demons, these issues, these traumas, we can all take care of them within our own minds, spirits, bodies. Thank you. I agree. I mean, I'm very much a believer in the phrase to thine own self be true. But that takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, to look it inside? Does. Yeah, it's a, a very lot. scary road. <laughs> yeah, it is. But on the other side of it, there's no going back, is there? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've always thought that my generation, because I'm quite a bit older than you, <laughs> um, although we were far from perfect, we were raised to be service oriented. We were we were raised to actually be courageous open-minded, but focused, uh, curious, creative, critical thinkers. And when I look, and I, I really am going to sound old right now, but when I look at the younger generation today, I find that they're self-absorbed and fragile and easily led, easily confused, easily distracted. And we live in a universe filled with wonders. And they can't see or feel the magic that constantly coalesces around them. And they have no sense of the potential within themselves. That's what separated you from everything else. You are a critical thinker. You are curious. You do have a sense of magic and awe. And you're not afraid to say that something is BS when it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what can we do, Tegan, to wake these young people up from their propaganda smoke and mirror thing and, you know, teach them the truth about their potential. I mean, any tips are welcome. Yeah, I think we need to get back to a more natural way of living. Um, a lot of us in my age group were raised by people that were, you know, adults in the 80s and 90s. And it was the rat race and the Internet raised their children. Um, Internet and TV. I think that's why a lot of us are so asleep. 
we've been literally indoctrinated since we were watching cartoons. <laughs> and um, I think entertainment's great. You gotta have some time to burn off some steam or relax, but we need to get back to, like I like to say, a natural way of living, um, learning to go outside and grow food, connecting with your family, young, old, um, just making it more how we were naturally put on this earth to live away from being distracted and sucked into a little black box 24 seven. Well said, well said. It is a mad matrix. It is. People are living in. And, you know, I, I really do believe that the wilderness experience, the nature experience, because Mother Earth has a soul and mm -hmm. that soul has been nurturing us for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And we should connect with that, seeing the art of the human experience through Mother Earth's eyes and not necessarily through the cold, hard facts of Akashic Records really makes a difference to people. Yeah. And people find you, don't they? I mean, they, they seem to gravitate to you and they just end up in the shop going, I don't know why I'm here, but I need to talk to you. I'm, I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. And, and typically... What do they come to you with? Because it's a sign of the times of what's going on, you, you know. Yeah, typically they're struggling with something. I get a lot of addicts that are newly recovered. I get a lot of people that, um, a lot of ex-Christians that um, do not agree with the church anymore. Um, they tend to find my videos uh, speaking on scripture and it opens their eyes how they can look at it differently. Um, and then other than that, just people that want to live a peaceful, fulfilling life, honestly, that are just tired of the day to day burn in, burn out <laughs> cycle. Yeah. And, and, and they're very lucky to be able to have you, actually, because I've heard you in action um, and you do slow down and you do just absolutely listen to what people say mm -hmm. and you're able to meet them at the level that they are at, which is actually it's skillful, you know, it's skillful. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, so we look around the world today, Tegan, and I think you and I both agree it's because we're not spirit centered that mm -hmm. we fell for all this. Seeing what's happening around you, knowing that it is a necessary process, how does it feel to you? Are you happy? Are you excited? Are you frustrated? Because I know you've recently been married. Mm -hmm. I know you want to have children. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're going to bring children into this world, you've got to have some ideas about how you are responding to what's happening. Share that with us, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some days it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> some days it's very hopeful. Um, but overall, I've always had a hopeful outlook. I know um, God didn't put me here for no reason or just to watch the world burn. Um, I can't believe that and I won't believe that because we're all we're all God. We're all part of him. And I don't understand. It doesn't fathom in my brain how we could just be here for nothing, for just darkness. Um, so there's always hope in something. If you don't have hope, faith um, and belief, I, I don't know what else there is to look forward to. You have to have hope in something. God made this great world and all of us unique in our own way to grow, to build, to push consciousness further, 
to keep evolving as humankind. We're made as in him's image. And people think that's just physical. It's spiritual. It's because we are him. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're watching all, we're watching all this unfold. You do feel, do you not, as I do, that this was all necessary. Otherwise, nothing would have broken. Absolutely. You have to break the paradigm to begin a new um, structure. And this had to come to a head like it is now to get people to understand and open and look further than themselves, I believe. To look further and grow that consciousness bigger as to a whole more viewpoint. Mm -hmm. People see themselves as small. They, uh, I, I always like yeah. to say they see themselves as the smallness and the allness is outside of them. Yeah, and I think it's because they very much have pushed that individualism that um, you have to identify with something. You only identify with people that are like you. They very much secluded us to ourselves and only the people that are like us, you know, and that's completely wrong. In my opinion, we're all connected um black white gay straight it doesn't matter yeah yeah they, they're using this whole diversity thing to further divide people whereas in metaphysics the diversity is what brings the unity yeah you know, it just has to be allowed to happen as a some sort of organic process it's it's all a cosmic space adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we're all doing something else you yeah. know no i've got to agree with you on that so I want to ask you, I don't want to put you on the spot, um, but do you have a, a favorite scripture that you would like to share with us? And then the reason I ask is I love the way that you read the scripture and then you say, OK, this is what it means today in 2024. Yeah, I have my favorite one, um, honestly, since I was a child and I always come back to it. It chokes me up. <laughs> so excuse me if I read it and I get choked up. But it's simply Psalms 23, and I know how, like, everybody pretty much knows it, but if, if you really read it and feel it, um, it just gives me strength. Do you want me to read it? I would love for you to read it. Take okay. a deep breath and go for it. All right. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. See? <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know why it does this to me. (laughs) It's beautiful. Go for it. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) I think that's beautiful the way you read it. You know, I too have had my challenges with certain things. Some substances included in there along the way. (laughs) And I have to tell you that the way that you read that, um, if people haven't had challenges in their lives, if they haven't had some darkness, they will never really understand what it is to finally accept the glory of the Holy Spirit in their life. 
Um, yeah, and it is one of my favorite hymns. And I'm going to I'm going to sing. Not now, don't panic. I'm not going <laughs> to sing it today. <laughs> but it, it is a song that I, a psalm that I love to hear sung. Mm -hmm. It is calming. It is soothing, and it fills you with the the vitality of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. you know, one is fearless when one reads it because, you know, we are created in the vibration of the divine. And mm -hmm. if we step into that, really understand what it means, we would never have created this ridiculous world. Yeah. You know, but yeah. are you as hopeful as I am that uh, it's all going to turn around? I'm very hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know something's going to change for the better. We have to allow the poop fest. Yep. You know. So, Tegan, tell us again um, about your ministry, uh, which is currently on Facebook. Yeah, right now um, I have it on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. TikTok and Instagram are under Feral Magic Woman. It's F-A-R-R-E-L-L-M-A-G-I-C-K-W-O-M-A-N. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm just under Tegan Farrell. And um, I very much just like to relate the truth through whatever God shows me to share. <laughs> it's gone from everything from metaphysical to the woo-woo to Christian. So whatever happens, happens. <laughs> right. So, folks, if you want to follow Tegan, and I do highly recommend that you do and especially if you have younger people um you know younger than 64 um, especially people in their 20s and 30s that are a little overwhelmed and lost it would be very helpful if you could turn them on to tegan's videos because she has a very i'm going to say simplistic which is the best way of translating scripture into practical this is what it means mm -hmm. tegan i want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show I wish you every success in life and I'm going to hang up now and I'm going to take a look at your most recent video. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was our interview with Tegan Farrell. So please do go check her out. All right, let's get on with the show and let's start as we almost always do with quack questions, answers and comments. If you would like to share the contents of your minds with martini heads across the known universe, write to me, Arnie at ArnieAvidician.com or via snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon 97070, USA. And please let me know if and how you wish to be identified or I shall refer to you as omit personal details. Alrighty, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, 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 shaky. All right, what have we got today? Oh, our first missive is from Tiffany in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I've been there, lovely place. And Tiffany asks, Dear Oni, what if you are wrong about everything? <laughs> what will you do? Well, Tiffany, I suppose I'll make myself a whiskey sour, sink into a nice comfy sofa somewhere, and try to figure it out. 
but I'm not wrong about any of it, so it's okay. But if I was, if I was, I always hold space, you know, for being wrong. If I was wrong, I would deal with it in the same way I try to deal with everything else, in a cool, calm fashion, one step at a time, without beating myself up. After all, why do we gain knowledge so that we can turn it into wisdom? You know, we're supposed to learn to make the world a better place, not for self-aggrandizement, you know. So here we go. Thank you for that, Tiffany, in New Mexico. I do hope I go to New Mexico again uh, sometime. I did enjoy the short time that I had there. A very interesting state. I have a friend who lives there and she says people in America, like at the customs and places, you know, if she's traveling from outside the country or what they think New Mexico is outside of America. How silly is that? You know, it's an American state. Oh, strange. All right, moving on. Who else wrote to us this week? Here's a note. <laughs> I think you've written to us before. Gonzo the Mad. Always good to hear from a fellow Muppets fan. And Gonzo says, Dear Mad Shaman. Oh, I do remember you. <laughs> Dear Mad Shaman, how much pot does a person need to smoke before reaching enlightenment? I heard that Indian gurus smoke ganja to reach a state of bliss. Dear Gonzo, <laughs> the Indian gurus who smoke ganja are already enlightened and they didn't reach enlightenment, whatever that is, by smoking weed. Now, there are folks who, having attained and stabilized a high level of cosmic alignment with all that is, uh, they feel that they have one more astral door to push through. And, and that's where the limitations of the human body, perceived or otherwise, come into play. You see, mm, the soul is hotwired to stay with the body until the body dies. So even during routine astral projections, a thread of energy holds the soul and the body together lest the soul take a wrong turn and get lost. That does happen sometimes. Or if the body goes into some sort of shock, should the soul travel too far, the silver thread will pull it back. What can I compare this to? What other example I can give? Um, if you've ever experienced a hospice situation, at end of life, the human may be gung-ho to leave the body and find peace in heaven. Generally, the human is. It's like, I'm in pain. I've been in pain for years. And now they've given me chemotherapy and it's even worse and I just want to die. But the body is holding on to life because it is programmed to stay alive for as long as possible. So in hospice, the nurses have to administer something like Ativan to relax the body enough so that everything will calm down, the body will let go, and the soul can break that thread and go to where it needs to go. See, that's what the ganja is for your Indian gurus. Now, I'm not really sure what which group of Indian gurus you're talking about. Are you, are you talking about your common or garden variety Indian guru, or are you talking about the guys who are naked at the source of uh, the Ganges up there, up in the mountains? I don't know. But either way, it's the last gate to pass through 
if you're going to do that without actually dying, it's the last gate to pass through. And we don't want any resistance from the physical body. Thank you very much. Um, so that's really how it works. Smoking ganja doesn't enlighten you. It can loosen you up a bit and make you think about things perhaps you didn't think about before. It can also turn you into a blithering idiot. So with all substances, one has to be moderate in one's habit. And I'm sorry if I did burst your ganja bubble. I apologize to you. But I'm sure you can console yourself by rolling a nice juicy blunt. Okay. <laughs> what else? Gonzo the Mad. Love it. Okay. What else made it into our inbox this week? Let's take a shifty. Ah, oh, this is from Omit Personal Details in Juneau, Alaska. Dear Ani, how many Trumps are there? I cannot believe they haven't killed him yet. Hmm. Well, thank God for that, really. Um, Omit. I'm not sure how many, but yes, we we do have multi-Trumps and they will never, by the way, succeed in taking him out because his mission is too great not to have cosmic protection. It's not just, you know, this isn't just a little Earth thing. The entire universe is leveling up. There's all sorts of shenanigans going on intergalactically and Earthlings, we don't want to be that one slow kid on the block. Trump's mission is huge. I hope people realize the sacrifice that he's taken on. You know, it takes an alpha, whether it's a male or a female is irrelevant. Alpha is alpha. But it takes an alpha to pull this off. You really sit back and think about it. I mean, we owe him a debt we could never repay. I suppose we could repay it by becoming good citizens. That would help. Okay, thank you for that um, person of no name in Juneau, Alaska. And let's take another email. Let's see. Uh, this is from Tyler. And Tyler obviously lives somewhere, but he doesn't say. And he says, when will the mainstream media fall apart and start to tell the truth? Ah, oh, yes. Well, we're all waiting for that little bubble to burst, aren't we? Tyler Darling, I can't answer that question with any degree of accuracy. But I think the cabal have lost the narrative, don't you? People have started to question, in no uncertain terms, the official narrative. And I have to point out that while white hat resistance is in full force and has been for many years, um, it's kind of like water held back behind a dam. You know, you can't break the whole thing at once. You keep pushing and pushing and pushing and the dam will start to crack. And then there's hairline cracks at first. But, you know, if you've ever had a rock chip on your windshield, you know how quickly those tiny cracks can turn into large fissures. And then with enough momentum, crack, bada boom, bada bing, bing, bing. And the whole dam breaks and the truth pours into the world and there will be casualties. Make no mistake there will be casualties, but not among the awake, the aware, and the spirit-centered. The casualties will be among the brainwashed, the propagandized population, those who chose not to exercise their God-given sovereignty, those who trust others to make decisions for them. And what a sad state of affairs that is, in my opinion. It's, it's like, you know, Govern me harder, daddy. T 
tell me what to do, tell me what to think, show me where to sign on the dotted line. Lord, you know, that is just sad. Did we just come down here just to plonk around and be idiots? I don't think so. We didn't come down to burn and crash. We came down to make a splash. So we should do something useful with our incarnations. And there'll be lots of splashing when that dam breaks. So make sure you can all swim. All right, let's take another one from Quack today and let's see who it is today. What have we got? What have we got? Which one shall I choose? Eeny, 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 miny, 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 miny. Take this one. Okay, Dwight. This is from Dwight. You don't hear that name a lot. Dwight in Pensacola, who says, I love your poems, Arnie, and I look forward to them on every podcast, but sometimes you don't have a poem, so please make sure you have a silly poem on every podcast. And he says, thank you. Here's one I wrote for you. Okay, somebody wrote me a poem. This is lovely. Let's read it. Arnie is crazy. Arnie is silly. Arnie is a woman and does not have a willy. Arnie covers the ground where others fear to tread. She enjoys a cocktail and sleeps well in her bed. Dwight, that is awesome. I will put that on my tombstone, um, assuming I have one. Um, do you ever think about what's going to happen to your body after you die? There's all these different ways of being buried and processed these days. Uh, but I digress. Uh, you know, I really appreciate little silly notes like that. That's just lovely and precious. And thank you from the from the heart of my bottom. Um, we did have quite a few letters today that I would say were written in desperation. And I don't want to go through them all because, you know, people, desperation, it's its not a good look. If you're feeling, I'm desperate, I'm desperate, I don't know what to do. Stop, regroup, reclaim your mind, take a deep breath, take a cold shower, take a hot bath, something, make yourself a cup of tea and sit down and go, what do you mean I'm desperate? What does it mean that I don't know how to cope? I was created by source. All that is, was, and ever shall be. Source creator, I am the allness. Everything that is in source energy exists in you, in potential. Bring it out. The very least you can do is stop running around like chickens with your heads cut off, buying into fear which isn't even something real. It's a false programming designed to shut you down so you don't think. So I would like to have $1,000 for every time I've said that because I'm probably living in Malibu right now, except that's in California, so somewhere else then. Please, people, desperation. What shall I do, Arnie? I don't know the details of your lives. I don't know what goes on inside the corridors of your minds. I will just tell you, blanket, blanket, do not despair. You have already lost. By despairing and asking somebody else what to do, you have already, you've given your mind away again. You've, you've woken up, you found out there's propaganda, fantastic. Okay, have a little hissy fit, and then get your kazoo and, and then make yourself a cup of tea and calm down. Regroup, and as the Irish say, start from where you are. All right, I'm going to <clears throat> put away the rest of the quacks because we're going to be doing a great many of those on the next show. I think I'd like to move on today to 
awesome American civics. I thought we'd have a bit of fun today with this and look at some of the letters that we the people have written over the years to our presidents. Um, let's see, I've got quite a few here. So let's start with this one from one of my favorite characters in history. This one is from Annie Oakley, a colorful woman of the West, if ever there was one. And I'm sure I'm going to feature her life on one of my podcasts. Uh, she wrote this letter in 1898 to William McKinley. And William McKinley, um, of course, uh, an American politician who served as the 25th president of the United States from 1897 until his assassination in, it was just at the turn of the century. So his assassination was in 1901. And this is the letter. The Honorable William McKinley President, dear sir, I for one feel confident that your good judgment will carry America safely through without war. But in case of such an event, I am ready to place a company of 50 lady sharpshooters at your disposal. Every one of them will be an American, and as they will furnish their own arms and ammunition, will be of little or any expense to the government. Very truly, Annie Oakley. Now, McKinley did not take her up on that offer, which was a shame, because had he done so, I'm pretty sure Annie Oakley and her gang would have outgunned anyone standing in their way. Um, lovely woman, that Annie Oakley. There's so much more to her than, than, than we read in the sort of casual history. Uh, more on that another time. Here's another one that tickled me. Um, this was so much fun to research, by the way, this particular segment. Uh, this one is from um, three Elvis Presley fans. <laughs> uh, Linda Kelly, Sherry Bain and Mickey Matson, And they wrote this to Dwight Eisenhower in 1959. Dear President Eisenhower, my girlfriends and I are writing all the way from Montana. We think it's bad enough to send Elvis Presley in the army, but if you cut his sideburns off, we will just die. Oh my God. You don't know how much we feel about him. I really don't see why you have to send him in the army at all, but we beg you, please don't give him a haircut. Um, or please, if you do, oh, don't do it because we will just about die. I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, those poor girls. Someone should have told them that hair, uh, sideburns included, do grow back. Um, how long was Elvis Presley in the army? Just for a couple of years, I think. Um, you know, what else? What else? What else? Let's take a look here. Ah, here's one that really tickled me. It's from Andy Smith in South Carolina who wrote to Ronald Reagan on April the 18th, 18, uh, 1984, sorry, April the 18th, 1984. Now, listen to this. You're going to get a kick out of this one. Dear Mr. President, my name is Andy Smith. I am a seventh grade student at Irmo Middle School in Irmo, South Carolina. Today, my mother declared my bedroom a disaster area. 
I would like to request federal funds to hire a crew to clean up my room. I am prepared to provide the initial funds if you will provide matching funds for this project. I hope you will be fair when you consider my request. I will be awaiting your reply. Sincerely yours, Andy Smith. Now, people, you've got to admit that is very cute, isn't it? It really is. But that's not even the best part. The best part is that Ronald Reagan sat down and hand wrote this kid a reply. And here we go. Dear Andy, I am sorry to be late in answering your letter, but as you know, I've been in China and found your letter here upon my return. Your application for disaster relief has been duly noted, but I must point out one technical problem. The authority declaring the disaster is supposed to make the request. In this case, it's your mother. However, setting that aside, I'll have to point out the larger problem of available funds. This has been a year of disasters. 539 hurricanes as of May 4th and several more since, numerous floods, forest fires, drought in Texas and a number of earthquakes. What I'm getting at is that funds are dangerously low. May I make a suggestion, says President Reagan to this cute kid, this cute but sassy kid. This administration, believing the government has done so many things that could be better done by volunteers at the local level, has sponsored a private sector initiative program calling upon people to practice volunteerism in the solving of a number of local problems. Your situation appears to be a natural. I am sure your mother was fully justified in proclaiming your room a disaster. Therefore, you are in an excellent position to launch another volunteer program to go along with more than the, the 3,000 already underway in our nations. And congratulations, he says, give my best to your mother, Ronald Reagan. Isn't that cute? A sassy little kid. Very nice. Now, here is one. Um, here's a letter that was written by Upton Sinclair. Uh, if you haven't read the book, The Jungle, it was written in 1906 by Upton Sinclair. The Jungle is a classic and it's a stomach churning, disturbing novel that describes the unhealthy practices of the meatpacking industry of the day. Um, the book was a very major factor in the passage of the Pure Food and Drug Act and also the Meat Inspection Act uh, and probably a few other acts like that. We all owe Upton Sinclair a round of applause for his courage and honest journalism. In the first few decades of the 20th century were a golden age for investigative reporting, actual real journalism the type of thing that only a handful of journalists want to practice today. There were many back in the day unsafe practices, gruesome practices were exposed. And, and thanks to at that time, you know, when the public found out about it, they were responsive and they were responsible. Many changes were made, not just in food preparation, 
but also in the child labor laws and conservation practices and drug laws. Uh, here's a part, um, let me see if I can, here it is, yes. Here's a part of Sinclair's letter to um, President Roosevelt. Um, he, you know, he gives a general introduction and then he goes on to say, I saw with my own eyes hams which had spoiled in pickle being pumped full of chemicals to destroy the odor. I saw waste ends of smoked beef stored in barrels in a cellar in a condition of filth which I cannot describe in a letter. I saw rooms in which sausage meat was stored with poison rats lying about and the dung of the rats covering them. I saw hogs which had died of cholera in shipment being loaded into boxcars to be taken to a place called Globe in Indiana to be rendered into lard. There are a hundred streets and avenues by which deceased, diseased meat can enter the city and be put on sale in the markets. The public has made no effort to find out and it is left to the men who deal in this merchandise to dump what they please into the stomachs of the blissfully ignorant public. Neither do any of, uh, neither do any know how much disease and suffering this food causes. The diagnosis is of the best physicians. Sorry, my dears, I, I messed that up. The diagnosis of the best physicians is so often turned down at the post-mortem table that the actual results of the diseases um, are difficult to ascertain. He also points out that this could be a dangerous road to walk down because the meat packing industry represent hundreds of thousands of dollars in income per month, uh, millions in today's money or whatever money is these days. Those journalists, um, those early journalists, the real journalists, they were threatened and they were ridiculed and they were labeled as muckrakers and such, but they did what they were supposed to do unlike the bought and paid for lickspittles of today, talking crap daily with grim determination, hoping their corporate overlords will save them from the Gitmo gallows. And to them I say, if you don't want to hang, blow some whistles, people, and let's see what you got. Come on, come forward, tell us all the dirty, you'll save your life and you'll probably do a lot better with uh, recycling your soul, as we say in the business. Many more I'd like to read you, and, and I will, because I still have time. Um, this is a cute little one. Uh, I found, do you remember a chap called Fidel Castro? Anyone? Fidel Castro? Fidel? Ring a bell? <laughs> Here's a little known tidbit of a missive um, from a very young Fidel Castro to Franklin D. Roosevelt. November 6th, 1940. And Fidel writes, My good friend Roosevelt... I don't know very English, but I know as much as write to you. I like to hear the radio, and I am very happy because I heard in it that you will be president for a new period. I am 12 years old. I am a boy, but I think very much. And I do not think that I am writing to the president of the United States. If you like, give me $10 Bill Green American in the letter because never I have seen a $10 green bill American and I would like to have one of them. My address is Fidel Castro, Colegio de Dolores, Santiago de Cuba, Oriente Cuba. 
I don't know very English, but I know very much Spanish. And I suppose you don't know very Spanish, but you know very much English because you are American, but I am not American. Thank you very much. Goodbye, your friend Fidel Castro. If you want iron to make your ships, I will show you to the biggest mines of iron on the land. They are in Mayari Oriente, Cuba. <laughs> that last bit right there, right? Okay, give us 10 bucks and blah, 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 right? But hey, you want to get in on some iron mines because you've got ships to build? Maybe you could deal. That last bit right there might be a clue as to Fidel's future shenanigans. You know, Senor Presidente, I just want 10 bucks and I'll show you where the iron mines are. Come on, Senor Presidente. We can deal, right? Right. <laughs> now, let me take a sip of my drink. And there's a couple more little letters that I'm going to share with you here. Uh, just one moment. Um, for some reason, my drink has moved. This is the sort of thing that happens when you make your living as a paranormal activity uh, specialist. Things move, they disappear for a while and then they come back or they end up in a strange place. Um, we never know, um, actually in this house, my partner and I, I'm in my 60s, my partner's just hit the 70s. Maybe it's old age, I don't know, but I don't think we're that scatty. I think a lot of it is paranormal, all right. Oh, here's one letter that I do want to share with you. It's somewhere here, hold on. Mm. Yes, this is the one. This is the one. Here it is. Okay, this was written on May the 1st, 1944. Um, President Roosevelt had sent Winston Churchill a portrait of himself. <laughs> what a lovely gift. Here's a picture of me. Uh, anyway, this was Churchill's reply. My dear Franklin, you kindly sent me recently a portrait of yourself, which I like very much, and have hung in my bedroom. Here is a tit for your tat. I hope you will accept it, flattering though it be to me, and like it as much as I do yours. Yours ever, Winston Churchill. <laughs> you know, there was an interesting relationship. I remember reading about it uh, when I was in school, studying history, decades ago, uh, Churchill and Roosevelt, they had very different personalities, but they got on like a house on fire. There was a lot of mutual respect there, and they had a love of the English language. In particular, they, have a, they had a love of the quirkiness of the English language. Between 1939 and 1945, they exchanged almost 2,000 letters. Now, some were, of course, letters discussing things of, uh, you know, one would expect great historical importance and government business and all that. But quite a few were exchanges between two playful schoolboys uh, playing at being grown men, you know, just my opinion. Uh, I've read a few of them. Um, a lovely friendship. Some would say an epic friendship. Yeah. And here is my gem of gems, okay? Well, it's difficult to say that, really, because there are so many beautiful letters to go through. But for this show, this is my gem of gems. It is a letter from the late Queen Elizabeth II to Dwight D. Eisenhower, dated January 24th, 1960. Dear Mr. President, Seeing a picture of you in today's newspaper, standing in front of a barbecue grilling quail, 
reminded me that I had never sent you the recipe of the drop scones which I promised you at Balmoral. I now hasten to do so, and I do hope you will find them successful. Though the quantities are for 16 people, when there are fewer, I generally put in less flour and milk, but use the other ingredients as stated. I have also tried using golden syrup or treacle instead of only sugar, and that can be very good too. I think the mixture needs a great deal of beating while baking and shouldn't stand about too long before cooking. Can you just imagine the Queen saying this as if the Queen has ever cooked anything in her entire life? Okay. We have followed with intense interest and much admiration your tremendous journey to so many countries, but feel we shall never again be able to claim that we are being made to do too much on our future tours. We remember with such pleasure your visit to Balmoral and hope the photographs will be a reminder of the very happy day you spent with us. With all good wishes to you and Mrs. Eisenhower, yours sincerely, Elizabeth R. Elizabeth Regina, the Queen. Um, and then she gives the recipe. Drop scones. Four teacups flour. Four tablespoons caster sugar. Two teacups milk, two whole eggs, two teaspoons bicarbonate soda, three spoons cream of tartar, two tablespoons melted butter. Beat the eggs, sugar, and about half the milk together. Add flour and mix well together, adding the remainder of milk as required. Also bicarbonate soda, cream of tartar, fold in the, mental, fold in the melted butter. Um, Her Majesty didn't share baking times and temperatures, <laughs> but I will go out on a limb here and say that Dwight probably gave this to his chef to sort it out because, uh, you know, I don't know that Dwight did any of his own cooking either. Shall I take a quick moment here, people, just to remind you to visit my website once in a while, www.arniavidician.com. In particular, I think if you're new to my brilliance and bullshit and my sassy style of whatever it is that I do, you might want to tune in on some of my cosmic conversations, which are held by Zoom on the last Saturday of each month. And these are little entry level presentations on various subjects, not just new age subjects. I think you'll be surprised um, how diverse the subject matter is. Um, in addition to that, you'll get a list of my services uh, and how I feel about things. And if you're still unsure whether you adore me or not, go to my blog, which is also on the website, um, or go to my Facebook page, Arnie Avedisian, and in no time at all, you will know all about me, what I believe, how I think, and if I'm the right fit for you. Okay, today, by the way, is February the 14th, 2024. And that means that in the matrix, it's Valentine's Day, which I refuse to celebrate because it's a hallmark holiday. It's not a real holiday. I feel very strongly about this. If you love someone, do something nice for them every day. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say on the matter. I don't want to be a buzzkill, having already killed buzzers, but 
I detest these made-up holidays. Oh, sell as much chocolate cards and flowers and candies and champagne as you can holidays. So, you know, uh, here's my Valentine poem for you all, okay? Roses are red. I like raisin buns. Why buy me flowers when you know I can always use more guns? <laughs> I like that very much. People out there in the world today, are you going crazy? Why? Stop it. There's an epidemic of insanity, confusion, disorientation out there. And, you know, it's kind of like when you're in a mob, the mob rule takes over. I want you all to step back a little bit. Spend some more time alone in breathing meditation would be ideal, but if you can't wrap your minds around that, take your shoes off after a hard day, put your feet up, make yourself a cup of tea, relax, breathe, stare at the ceiling, decompress. The reason everyone's overwhelmed is you don't decompress at the end of the day. You come home from work, decompress. Take a look at the day, sort it all out. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And do it in a gentle way. Don't do it to admonish yourself. Do it to be the best version of yourself. You know, in time, you'll realize how much stress and fear prevents you from being the best version of yourself. These things will freeze you and they won't allow your full potential to come in. Take a look at your life and your daily habits every day. Because, you know, you're not always going to be motivated. That's where the discipline comes in. And don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed not having resolved your day. It's these little things that we do every single day. Making peace with ourselves, realigning with whatever we want to call our God. Sleeping, a lovely night's sleep. Oh, my God, in that peace, knowing you had a good day, a decent day. Looking forward to all the surprises that tomorrow will bring and remembering above all that you are a divine being a cosmic being just try it for heaven's sakes try it and that's it for today i hope you enjoyed listening in as much as i enjoyed recording it because i always have a blast today's real life cocktail was a classic benedict and that is a tasty winter warmer and here's how you make it two ounces of scotch wind whiskey the blended type one ounce benedictine ginger ale get yourself a mixing glass or a shaker with ice add the scotch and the benedictine stir do not shake put into a highball glass without straining top off with ginger ale and sip it i like to put a chunk of ice in there some say that's sacrilege but i do not care for the opinions of others and i will drink as i please Sip it slowly. Let the warmth flow through you. Feel it from your tippy toes right up to that little red bit of your nose. As always, thanks to Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington for sponsoring the show, mysticalwares.com. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. Huzzah for Mystical Wares. I'm Arnie, mad as the day is long, Avidician. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, challenge the official narrative, because the restoration of the Republic is imperative. And let's give Fauci a great big ouchie. But above all, my darlings, let the spirit inhabit the human. Mm -hmm.
You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alpatisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you.